This program is made possible by the friends and partners of Unspeakable Joy. Well, if you're in the book of the Revelation, chapter number 4, I'm going to look today and just kindly pick around on a few verses in verse number, chapter 4 and in chapter number 5. This morning, I intend to take a few different journeys by the help of the Lord. The first journey I want to take is down to the Rock Isle of Patmos, right outside of the city of Ephesus, which is in modern-day Turkey. And there on the Rock Isle of Patmos, there is an old man, probably 98 to 99 years old, whose name is John the Beloved. And this old man has been exiled by Diocletian, the Roman emperor, for one reason and one reason only, that he loved the Lord Jesus Christ and determined not to bow at anybody else's feet. And time out. It will cost you something in 2022 if you're going to be faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're not living in the 1940s where everybody's a believer. And we're not living in the 1950s where everybody goes to church. And we're not living in the 1960s where everybody's going to act like they got a brain. And we're not living in the 1970s and 80s where the politicians are going to go down to church in order to get a bunch of votes. And living in the 1990s and early 2000s where just people will accept you if you believe in a gospel that saves by blood alone. You're living in a day where the moment, the second, the millisecond you claim the name of Jesus Christ, you are marked with a spiritual and physical target upon your back. Now, beloved, John was marked by that target, and John had been told by Diocletian, bend or get out. John said, I'll take the first ship, please, and he headed out to the Rock Isle of Patmos. Now, the Rock Isle of Patmos, it was a mining town. It was a town that had no food. It had no water. It had no, no, no industry other than the slaves that were on that island. And there on that island, John thought his life was over. John thought that it was all said and done. But what John did not realize is that God had taken him to a place of barrenness. And God had taken him to a place of bleakness and blackness and doom and gloom, not to destroy him, but so that when he showed him the book of the Revelation, there would be nothing else to distract him from what God was about to show him. Time out. Sometimes God will shut the lights off around you in order for you to have one person you're looking at, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ, because God is trying to show you something in your life. And on this, on this island, John is given, God does in John chapter number 1 what no other book really does, and he gives us the outline of the book of Revelation. I'll put it up for you so that you can see it. There's three sections of the book of Revelation. The first section are the things which were. Those were the things that when Jesus had died and had been resurrected again. The second thing are, that John writes about in chapter 2 and chapter 3 are the things which are. Those are the seven churches of Asia Minor that he was going to deal with. That's where you and I are living right now. We are in that last church age, the church of Laodicea, that church of the great falling away, that church of that spiritual lukewarm state, neither hot, neither cold. But then in chapter number 4, he goes into the third section. And the third section are the things which are to come. You see, this is not all that there is to it. 
You see, this is not the end of the story. In fact, this is just the prelude to the real show that's about to begin. And in chapter number 4, John the Beloved, he lifts his eyes off of the rock isle of Patmos and he lifts his eyes into the third heaven. And in chapter number 4, he is given a glimpse of the first time that you enter into heaven. Now, it's interesting to me, the first time we enter into heaven in chapter number 4, we do not see all of the streets of gold because that's not what makes heaven. We do not see the walls of jasper because that's not what makes heaven. We do not see the gates of pearl and the 12 foundation stones. That's not what makes heaven. The first thing we see when we enter into heaven, we see the one that paid for it all. We see the one that made it all possible, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the first thing we do in heaven is we worship God Almighty. Now, let me just stop. I've heard preachers say this all my life. They'll look in a church service when people are shouting and hooping and hollering and running and dancing like a bunch of Comanche Indians, and I'm all for that. Son, I should have been Pentecostal. You know that. But here's what I'm telling you. They'll say, man, if you don't like this, you won't enjoy heaven. I promise you right now, there won't be much shouting when you first get to heaven. There ain't going to be much running when you first get to heaven. There's going to be about a million upon a million upon a million people that bow on their face and can't say a word because they've just looked into the eyes of omnipotence. They've just looked into the eyes of glory. And that will be the first time that we have a church service together in the heaven. Now, can I just take us right now as they gather together in that celestial city of Jehovah, let's take our second journey now into that glorious city of God and let's look at what it's going to look like when all God's people finally get together in that city. The first thing I'll show you as we gather in that first church service in heaven, let's look at the call to worship. Now in olden days, here is how they'd call you to worship. They'd have a church bell and in that community when it was time for the people of God to get together, somebody that had been doing it since Moby Dick was a minna, He'd go up to that church bell and he'd jerk on that church bell and he would ring the bell. That was an indication. It was time to get together. I still preach in a bunch of churches, especially out in the country, that have got those church bells. And can I tell you what somebody with ADHD and a sickle of OCD does the moment I walk into a church like that? Son, I grab that handle and I ring it for all she's a worth. And you can tell they ain't rung that bell in a long time. Dust falls through the ceiling. I choke, need a hazmat suit, but the call to worship was signaled by a bell. In our modern day, we don't use those bells. You'll see on a lot of churches, they'll use a countdown clock. They'll have it online. They'll have it in the service. And when that countdown clock hits zero, it is an indication that it is time for the people of God to gather together and to worship. Can I tell you what chapter 4 and verse number 1 tells us? That there is a call to worship. Notice what it says in chapter 4 verse number 1 he says after this I looked and behold a door was opened in heaven and the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me what that trumpet say it said come up 
hither. And in that moment, when he went up hither, his feet left the earth, and he was taken from here to there in the twinkling of an eye. You say, what's going to give us the indication that it's time for that first church service in heaven? It's not going to be a bell. It's going to be a trumpet. It's not going to be a countdown clock. It's going to be a trumpet. It's not going to be a preacher that stands up and says it's time. It's going to be a trumpet. Now, I know everybody's living in 2022, and we got robot dogs, and we got robot maids, and we got robot robot checkout people. We've got all types of robots, but there's still something, though we may be living in 2022, and we may not talk about it, and preachers may not preach about it. The Lord Jesus is coming again, and he's coming for the church that's been bought by blood, wrought by the Holy Ghost of God. You say, I don't believe it. Then one day, when the trumpet of God sounds, and you see these old leather shoes left on the dirt, left on the sod, and my body heads from this ground and heads from that place. You'll know I was wrong and he was right. Now, I may not be right about politics. I may not be right about the stock market. I may not be right about being a a, a speculator in the silver market. I may not be able to tell you what gas prices are going to do, but I promise you this. I can give you my word. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall be raised first and then you and I which are alive and time out I promise you this it's a whole lot closer than it ever has been it could be before I get done right now we could lift up off of this ground and if I get out of here and if we head to heaven and you're still here you let Austin figure out what he's going to do with the rest of the day here's what I'm telling you right now be let where'd he go Lord God did it happen Here's what I'm telling you right now. That the Lord is going to come. It could be today. It could be this moment. It could be this very second. And if you've never been saved by the grace of God, you will be left behind. But right now, it does not matter if you're a Baptist. It does not matter if you're an Episcopalian. It does not matter if you're a Lutheran. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you're going to. One day, the trumpet's going to sound and we're headed out of here. We're going to be lifted up off of this earth at the rapture of the Lord. Jesus Christ and when we get there the first thing we're going to do is we're going to have a worship service he says after this I looked and I saw the heavens a door was opened up in heaven how am I going to get there I'm going to walk through the blessed doors how I'm going to get there you say how are you going to get to the door that ain't my job to figure out that's the Lord's job the call to worship One day, you're going to wake up on a Sunday and you're going to be making your way down to the house of God and you're going to come in this place and there's not going to be a choir full of people and there's not going to be somebody standing in the pulpit. The instruments will be vacant and the church pews will be mighty vacant and there'll be nobody upstairs. There'll be no little children in the nursery. The toddler church will be empty and the junior church will be empty and the parking lot will be sparse. You say, what will that indicate? That indicates that that great getting up morning has already happened and you have been left behind. You say, are you trying to scare me this morning? You bet your bottom dollar I'm trying to scare you. I'm trying to tell you that the Lord that came the first time is the Lord that's going to come back the second time. And the God that did what he said the first time. 
is a God that's going to do what he said he'd do the second time. I'm trying to scare you straight. I'm trying to rip out all that liberalism and all that agnosticism and all that atheism that this old wretched God-hating, God-denying world has put in your brain and to get you back to the simplicity of Jesus Christ that the God which was is the God that is and he ever shall be. And if he was right the first time, he'll be right the next time. The Lord is coming back and we'll head up there. But that will lead us, number two, when we get to that call to worship, we get into that assembly together. You say, we're going to be inside, we're going to be outside. I don't know, he didn't tell us. But wherever we're at, we'll all be together. You'll walk into that sanctuary wherever it is. And the second thing you'll notice will be the attendance at the worship service. Who's going to be there? Honey, we'll look around. Let's make our way down the celestial city. Let's make our way down those streets of gold. Let's look beyond the walls of Jasper. Let's look beyond the things that you and I and the trinkets that you and I look to in this life. And let's see if we recognize any of the people that are there. In chapter number 5, we are given three new groups of people that we've never been introduced to before. We're given three new groups of people that are going to be in that worship service. Now there are angels in chapter number 5, but we've seen the angels before. Can I give you a little glimpse of what I might show you in just a second? I thought about it as they were singing that song while ago. I bowed on my knees and cried holy. The last time we saw a myriad of angels was back in Isaiah chapter number 6. And do you remember what they were crying? They were crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. But can I tell you right now, that's not what the angels are saying in heaven. Now let me just give you a glimpse of what they're saying in heaven in chapter number 5 and in verse number 12. Chapter 5 and verse number 12 in the Old Testament they were saying holy, holy, holy. They were lifting up how wonderful he was. They were lifting up how awesome he was. How spotless he was. But in chapter 5 and verse number 12 they're no longer saying holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. You know what they're saying in chapter 5 verse number 12 they're saying worthy 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 is the lamb that was slain you see in the old testament you had to be a certain way and look a certain way and do a certain thing in order to get into the presence of omnipotence but now we're in the new testament and calvary has happened and now i don't have to be anything and you don't have to be anything you know what we have we have the savior of mankind that was shed and killed for you and me but let's Digress back to where we were. The attendance, we walk into that assembly, and there's three groups of people we've never paid attention to. The first group that we come to in chapter 4 and chapter 5, they're called the 24 elders. We find out in chapter 4 and verse number 4, and around the throne of God, on both sides of the throne, there are 20 and 4 thrones gathered together. And as we're looking, laying our eyes upon those men that are sitting in those thrones... There's a lot of speculation on who they are. There's speculation that the 12 on one side are the 12 patriarchs from the Old Testament. Then on the other side, we're told that it's the 12 apostles of the New Testament. I don't know that. The Bible doesn't say. So since we can't figure out who they are, let's keep on walking down into the worship service. The second group of people that we come to in chapter number 4, we find that they're called the four beast. Sometimes you'll see it in the margin of your Bible. They're called the four living creatures. 
The first creature has the appearance, the scripture says in chapter number 4 and verse number 6. The first one looks like a lion. And the second one it says he looks like a calf. And the third one has the face of a man. And the fourth one has the face of an eagle. Here's the problem. We don't know who they are either. He never tells us. So we've got to keep going because I don't recognize them. But there's another group of people that we've never seen gathered together before over in the book of Revelation, over in chapter 5 and verse number 9. Now I want you to notice what it says in chapter 5 and verse number 9, this third group of people. And they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book. And to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain, and thou hast redeemed us unto God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nations. Who are these group of people? It's the third group of people that you see in that first worship service. And they're called the redeemed. They're called that group of people that have been bought. For it says that they have been redeemed with the blood of your own sacrifice. They weren't just a people that were bought, but they were a people that were sought. It says he went and got them out of every kindred. And he went and got them out of every tribe. And he went and got them from every tongue. And he went and got them from every nation. Now, beloved, in here right now, if this was the Lions Club, we'd all have something in common outside of this place. And if this was the, the, the Moose Lodge, or, or so, I, I say these things now, and y'all act like y'all don't even know. I don't even know if there are Moose Lodges, and I don't even know if there are Elks Clubs, and I don't even know if there are Lions Dens or Lions Clubs or whatever you call them anymore. Man, we, we were in a, if we were in a club somewhere, in a, in a tennis club, we would all have the ability to play tennis. And if we were in a swim club somewhere, we'd all have the ability to do laps. And if we were in a knitting class, we'd all have the ability to sew a blanket together that nobody uses when you give it to them. If we were in a, a sewing class, we would have the ability to hem pants. But that's not what has, gives us something in common. You see, in this room right now, there are Americans and there are Ukrainians. There are people that are from China and there are people that are from Korea. There are people watching us online and they're from the South. There are people that are in this room from the north and there are people that are watching us out in the Midwest. There are people in this sanctuary that are white and some that are not white. There are some that are watching online that are black and some that are not black. There are some in this room that are rich and some in this room that are poor. There are some in this room that are men. There are some in this room that are women. There are some in this room that are Republicans and there are some in this room that are Democrats. There are some in this room that are from North Carolina and some in this room that aren't from North Carolina. You say, what do you all have in common. Can I just give you a glimpse of what we've got in common? One day, wherever we were at, in North Carolina, South Carolina, New York, New Jersey, Midwest, Michigan, or any other state, we were away from God. We were outside the plan of God. White, black, red, purple, green, blue. We were outside of the hope of God. We were not saved by our works. We had nothing to bring to God. But one day, the Holy Ghost of God came looking for us, and He sought us, and He came looking for us at our house and he came looking for us at the church and he came looking for us at the bar and he came looking for us in our marriage and he came looking for us in our divorce and he came looking for us in our single parenthood and he sought us out and we've been bought and paid for by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
We're a bought people. We're a salt people. Number three, we're a wrought people. Now watch what it says in verse, that verse I just read. I think it's chapter 5, verse number 9. It says in there, excuse me, verse 10 rather. In verse 10 it says, And he's made unto us, made us unto God, kings and priests. How many of you ever felt like you were worth nothing? Yeah, sure. People in this room feel like you're worth nothing. I want you to look at the person beside you and say, I am somebody. Don't you act like that. I'll act like I'm in a black church right now, and I'll make you say it five or six times. I want you to look at the other person and say it with some gusto. I am somebody. How can I say that? I'll tell you how I can say that. I'll tell you right now how I can say that. How many of you this morning, you know beyond a shadow of a doubt, you've been saved by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I tell you how you know you're somebody? The Holy Ghost of God is working in your soul right now, making you a kingdom of priests and a kingdom of kings. You know what that means? That doesn't mean you're going to have something to rule over down here on this earth. It means that God's made you special. It means God's made you important. It means that God's put something that nobody can replace. Now, if you're a king, you know what that means? You're born into it. I've been born into the family of God by the new birth. I've been born again. And if you're a priest, you know what that means? It means you've been baptized and you've been sprinkled and you've been anointed into something. You say, what are you anointed into? I got anointed into the body of Christ. I'm a part of the family of God. I am somebody. You are somebody. You matter to God. You mean something of the Holy Ghost. You're not just a number on a pegboard somewhere. You're a part of the family of God. And don't ever let the devil tell you you're anything less than a child of the Most High God. You say, I've never been saved. Today could be the glad day you get born into the family of God. Now, number three, we read about these attendants. Now, here's what I'm thinking about those people. I'm looking at these people. And the Bible recognizes them as bolt, salt, and raw people. But you know what I recognize them as? People I've lowered into the ground. I recognize the mamas that I've watched children weep over. I recognize them as the husbands I watched wives lower down. I recognize them right now as people who had to go to a hospital somewhere. I don't know the guy. I don't know the young man up in the mountains somewhere, but I've been watching on Facebook this whole week. This guy with three young kids in just a two weeks, he got sick and died. So they have no idea what happened to him. And a mama that thought she was just looking for a birthday, looking forward to Christmas, and now she's picking out casket sprays. I look into that celestial city, and that first church service, and I say, I recognize that face. Hey, I've seen that face before. Hey, there's the face of one of the sweetest men I knew. There's Mr. Alley right there. Oh, who's that woman walking beside him? That's that precious wife of his that he'd go out to the nursing home every day of COVID and would take a chair because they wouldn't let him inside and would sit it on the outside of the window and just look inside. Hey! I see them up in the celestial city of God and there's no more Alzheimer's and there's no more COVID and there's no more Parkinson's. I look at men like Bob Steele as I went to his bedside
aside as a brand new preacher and he said would you just read me something out of the Bible I didn't know anything else to say to a man ridden with a brain tumor I didn't know anything else to say but to read Psalm 23 the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake yea though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death Bob still looks at me in the eyes and says son I know you read about that but let me introduce you to the one that wrote that and there's no more brain tumors in that glorious city I look at your mother that the doctor said I'm sorry we've done all that we can do as you watched them turn that machine off and you watch that little body wither and writhe in pain there in that celestial city there's no more pain there's no more writhing there's no more cancer beds there's no more sick wards there's no more funeral homes there's no more separation there's no parting over there we're in the city together and we're saved together and I know down here there was a time when you had the last church service but can I tell you up there I know what it's going to be like in the first church service as we look into the face of the God of heaven and we finally say I've seen him I've seen him I know what he looks like and we're together forever the redeemed the redeemed how many of you got somebody over there right now oh my you know what they're doing right now I have no idea But I can tell you what I'm going to do when I see him for the first time. Now, people say all the time, when I get to heaven, I'm going to bow at his feet for 10,000 years. No, you're not. No, because the moment the rapture happens, we're fixing to go to church. And after the church service, we get into chapter number 6 and we go through. And down here, there's a lot of stuff going on for seven years. But up there, there's a wedding taking place. And people will say all the time, there's a marriage supper in heaven. The marriage supper doesn't happen in heaven. How do I know that? Because I've always thought that and I've read it. But I heard Preacher Kanoi say it the other day. You see, there was a seven-day period where the bride and groom would be together. But yet, they would come out of that wedding suite together, glorious, arrayed in that wedding garment. And they would go and they would have a celebration with all the guests. Here's what's going to happen at the end of that seven years, me and you and your save mama and you save daddy and you save granny and you save family we're hitting on white stallions and we're coming out of the glory world revelation chapter 19 he said and I looked and behold him that sat upon the horse on his thigh written on his vesture it said king of kings and lord of lords and behind him the myriads ten thousand upon ten thousand of saints riding together and when we get down to this earth there's going to be a marriage supper you say I don't understand all that you ain't got to understand all that I'm just telling you it's gonna happen and they're waiting on you and in heaven we'll worship together but I gotta go to number three I gotta hurry I gotta hurry number three can I show you the last part of that church service it's the most pivotal part I love coming to church but y'all ain't the reason I come I was coming to this church when there wasn't but about 14 of us coming y'all ain't the reason I come number three the reason we go there and the reason we come here is the focus of the worship service. Chapter 5, verse 5 and verse number 6. In the Old Testament, when they would go to the synagogues, the rabbi would stand up and he would lead the service, but he wasn't the focus of the service. 
In the New Testament, we come into the church and a pastor stands up and he leads the service, but he's not the focus of the service. And time out. If you do go to a church where the pastor is the focus of the service, you're not in a church, you're in a cult, and it is time to hightail it out. You don't agree with that. Well, then you drink the Kool-Aid and it's time to hightail it out. Because the pastor at the end of the day is just a man. But in that glorious city of Jehovah, the man that leads the worship is also the man that's the focus of that worship. Notice what it says in chapter 5. Let's see if we recognize him. It tells us five things about this man. Number one, the first thing it says in verse number 5 of chapter 5. He is someone who takes away our tears. Notice what it says in verse number 5. It says, And one of the elders saith unto him, Weep not. Now there's a group of people in heaven that are sad because the seals of the book are not able to be opened. Nobody is worthy. But they say don't weep. Don't cry. Don't worry about it. Don't be overwhelmed. Don't be overweighed. Don't be broke down. Don't be beat down. So the first person that's leading the worship and he's the focus of the worship, he's the one that takes away all of our tears. Number two, he's not just the one that takes away all our tears. It says weep not. Notice the next phrase. It says for the lion. Number two, it's someone who has conquered. In the Bible, a lion is a picture of an animal that always overcomes. And he always overwhelms. He's the one that takes away our tears. Number two, he's the one that's conquered it all. It says, weep not. Number three, for the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's someone who's given us our praise. That name Judah. That name Judah means the praise of Jehovah. So I'm telling you today. Whoever this is leading the worship and the focus of the worship, he's the one that's taken all these broke down sinners and has given them their praise back. Number four, it tells us he weep not for the lion of the tribe of Judah. Here's the fourth thing it says. He's somebody that has arisen. For it says he is the root and he is the offspring of David. You know what a root is? It's a shoot. We call it a sucker down in North Carolina. It's that thing that pops up out of the dirt. You ever you ever mowed your yard? You ever weeded out your flower beds? You ever taken care of your thing? And you wake up the next morning and a sucker has come straight up out of the dirt. Now you Yankees think I'm saying something ugly. That's what we call it down here in North Carolina. You get saved, you get right and move down here, you'll be fine. Here's what I'm telling you. That shoot, that thing last night, it was under the ground, but this morning it's up out of the ground. Who else? Number five, here's what else it tells me. He's somebody that paid our debt. Notice what it says in verse number five. Or excuse me, verse number six. I behold and lo in the midst of the throne. And of the four beasts in the midst, in the middle, right smack dab in the middle of the elders, stood a lamb. Now if you look in your Bible, that word lamb ought to be capitalized. Capitalized. 
Because it's not describing an animal. It's describing a person. So who is this person? He is somebody that has taken our tears. He's somebody that has conquered it all. He is somebody that's given us our praise back. He is somebody that's arisen up out of the grave. And he is somebody that has paid our debt. I've not been saved by the blood of animals. I've been saved by the blood of Jesus the Christ, the Son of the living God. Here's who's in heaven. Now I hope y'all like me. Not all of you do, but I hope some of you do. But I am not the focus of your worship. I hope you like your preacher if you're watching online. But he's not the focus of your worship. But may I introduce you to the one in heaven that's at the center of the city. He's not Tyler. He's not a Baptist. He's not a Methodist. He's the one that started it all. He's the one that got up out of the grave. He's the one that conquered death. He's the one that overcame the grave. He's the one that paid our sin debt. He's the one that rose victorious. He's the one that wipes away our tears. He's the one that gives us our praise back. Can I just stop and say this? We don't worship this morning because of me. We don't worship this morning because of you. We don't worship this morning because of our sign. We worship this morning because we met the Nazarene. We met the Galilean. We met the Savior of the world. And he saved our soul. And he's given us our praise back. Some of you shout over money. What are you going to do when you're broke? Some of you shout over your marriage. What are you going to do when you divorce or die? There's only one thing in life that's worth living for that shall never be taken away. And his name is Yeshua, the Lord Jesus Christ. His name is the Son of God. His name is the Lamb of God. His name is the Light of God. His name is the Hope of God. I wrote down in my Bible right here what it says about Jesus in the book of Revelation. It says he's Jesus. It says he's Jesus Christ. It says he's Jesus the Christ. It says he's the faithful witness. It says he's the first begotten of the dead. It It says he's the prince of the kings of the earth. It says he's the alpha and the omega. It says he's the first and he is the last. It says he's the son of man. It says he's he which was dead and is alive forevermore. It's he that liveth. It is he that holdeth the seven stars. It's he that walks in the middle of the golden candlesticks. It's he which has the sharp sword with two edges. He's the son of God. He's the one that searches the reins of the heart. He hath the seven spirits of God. He hath the seven stars. He that is holy and true. He that hath the key of David. He that openeth and no man shutteth and shutteth and no man openeth. He's the amen. He's the faithful and the true witness. He's the beginning of the creation of God. He's the Lord. He's the line of the tribe of Judah. He's the root of David. He's the lamb that was slain. He's the lamb of God. He's the Lord of lords. He's the king of kings. He's the faithful and true one. He's the rider on the white horse. He's the word of God. He's the Christ. He's the Lord God of the holy prophets. He's the beginning and he is the end and he is the bride and is the morning star. I introduce you to the Lord Jesus Christ and when we get to heaven, we'll sing and shout the victory because we finally laid our eyes on Jesus Christ.